Hey there, and welcome to Mondays with Molly, where we share stories of triumph, transformation, and the beautiful lessons we learn along the way as women business owners. We have these conversations to inspire other women on their entrepreneurial journey so they don't feel so alone in their struggles, fears, and doubts. Let's take the manic out of our Mondays and replace it with a little more inspiration. Grab a cuppa, get cozy, and enjoy. Welcome to Mondays with Molly. I'm Molly Hebde, your host, and today we have a very special guest all the way from outside of Perth, Australia, my friend Amanda Paris. And we go way back about seven years, just like we talked about Juliet the other week. Um, We are accountability partners. (laughs) And yeah, it's almost seven years, Amanda. She's like, (laughs) like, I can't believe that. Um, We met in a photography group um, that was the Togs in Business. It's now the Photographer's Voice that's based in Scotland. And um, that's how we met our accountability partners. And we all started off as photographers and many of us branched out into the other things in the world. So I, I will not do it justice. There's so many things that you do in life. And I want you to just hi introduce yourself and tell us what you do and what you love right now oh okay hi I'm Amanda and what I do right now is not photography um though like Molly said that's where we connected and that's where we started um but photography was and running a photography business is where I really realized my love for the whole marketing piece and um, messaging development and writing and websites and how we communicate our businesses and our brands and, and that sort of thing. And I um, moved over to uh, copywriting and communications and messaging. And that is, while I still love photography as a hobby, um, as something I do in the technical part of it, I, yeah, I've kind of moved over to the dark side and I'm behind the scenes now doing writing copywriting messaging all that sort of stuff that's kind of my like latest um evolution work-wise um but yeah there's kind of I guess a bigger journey as always um that happens at the same time so but yeah that's where I am at the moment so Amanda was um when I redid my well actually rebranded into from motion inspired photography to molly hepta photography amanda you were the one that helped me hone in my copy for my website and really find my voice in that it's amazing the work that you do you could take and ask all these questions about who i am what i do what i love to do like the work that i want to do and you just pick the brain apart and you put it on a page and you're like, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to say, but I had no clue how to do it myself whatsoever. And you just put it into such an easy way of looking at it. And it's just so digestible and it just makes sense. And I've had so many people land onto my website and say, yeah, this is exactly what I want. So most of the people that land on my website I don't really have to sell to them because they've already read it and they already know what I do and this is exactly for them or it's not for them and it's not the right time. So um, you just have a really brilliant mind and I love the way that it works. Thank you. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny and, and you bring that up um, about the not really knowing how to, I guess, get what's in your head out on the page and I realised through interacting with other business owners in the photography groups that they really struggle with that they and to me when I looked at them and their personality and their business like their what makes them stand out was so clear their value propositions were clear like in how they were communicating but they struggled to communicate that to their clients so I'm like why why is me seeing that so easy and they struggle with it and that's that was kind of the point where I'm like, okay, this is this is something here that is easy for me that other business owners struggle with. Um, but I mean, it's not that surprising. Business owners are 
um, invested in their business, they're immersed in their business, they're thinking about doing their business, um, they're not necessarily able to step away and go, okay, how am I differentiated amongst like all the rest of my contemporaries, all the rest of the market? How, how am I unique? Um, they're very immersed in their own market as well and communicating with other people in their, in their sector, in their industry. So it is hard to get that perspective um, and that's where having someone come in from the outside and go, well, actually I'm looking at, you know, five different businesses here, all in the same, um, all in the same industry, in the, in the same niche. From the outside, I can clearly see where they're differentiated, but it's so much harder to see that from inside the business. And it's hard to see what qualities you bring that make your business unique as well. So yeah, it's just, is twofold it's hard for them to see it and then even if they can articulate that like how does my like clients how do my customers like what do they care like what part of that do they care about like that it's hard to understand which parts of those are valuable and how to communicate that in a really concise like a really concise and targeted way because you're thinking about so many things and it's like, oh, like photographers, like I do this and I do that and I stand out in this way. And like it, you do a lot and you're very accomplished, but it can muddle the message. And um, I think that's one thing that I really love about doing what I do is helping business owners find that clarity. And they're like, oh my God, like I never realized I was special in that way, or I never thought of saying it in that way and I get the pleasure of saying well actually you you did say it in that way like that's what you told me that's what I see it's just not coming across in your messaging so I kind of I almost act like a translator like from their brain to you know to their customers through their marketing messaging so yeah that's it's a it's a really common problem for for businesses to for business owners to really not I don't know, to struggle with communicating like the essence and the what the essence of their brand, essentially. Well, I think a lot of people, I know for myself too, like they fall into this, you know, redundancy, I guess. Like we do the same things on a daily basis and yes, our clients change. So things are a little bit different each time, but you forget that the things that you do every single day those are the important things that people need to know about it, but you don't even think twice about it because it's just second nature to you. So yeah. then when you have somebody from the outside pointing these important pieces out and these important steps and, you know, the processes and the experience and just the way that you package it up in that unique voice that that individual has we even forget like all the special qualities that we have because we're like, oh, well, that's nothing special. That's just something that I do or that's just something that I say. So 100%. We, yeah, you are definitely a mirror for people on that kind mm -hmm. of stuff. And I just I'm so glad that you found that that little niche for yourself to be able to do that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's um, that element of not recognizing your own like special things because it just comes naturally to you right mm -hmm. um is is a lot it's hard for a lot of business owners and I just yeah so many times I've said uh they're telling me something about their yeah one part of their process and I'm like you know that's that's really unique that's really special like that's not just special in the world but it's important to your customers tell them that you do that they're like really like that's like that's what I should be talking about. Like yes, <laughs> which is like the the other aspect is is not just about the business owner expressing, you know, having a little party about their own personality. Mm -hmm. It's about what do your the messaging part is. What do your customers actually want to hear about? Like what is meaningful to them? And I think that is another big aspect of what I do is not just talking about the business for the sake of talking about the business, but connecting like what, like delving into their customers and their clients and going, okay, what are they actually, who are these people? What do they want to hear? What is meaningful to them? 
what is going to inspire them to action. Um, that is how you need to, you know, communicate with your with your customers. It's not just about telling them how good you are. Um, they don't care about how good you are unless it's meaningful or relevant to them in some way, uh, unless it, it impacts them in some way, can help them transform, them solve a problem. So, yeah, that's that's the next kind of missing piece, you know, is is being able to communicate once you know that stuff, communicate it in a way that the the audience, your your website visitors, your potential clients, that so they understand, they can see that you understand, and they go, okay, yeah, this is the business for me. This is the person that I want to do business with. Absolutely, and you take it even a farther step. I mean, your business is called Case Study Queen, which is <laughs> which is just brilliant in itself. Um, but the way that you do your case studies too. And I mean, I, I never thought that I would need anything like that for my business. Like, you know, just, you know, just a photographer, you know, out here in the world. And I've seen, you know, coaches do this and all these other, you know, larger businesses or different kinds of businesses. And when I saw everything that came back from the two case studies that you did for me, just the value in the interview that you did and the way that you were able to communicate with my clients and package what they set up into this beautiful you know piece those have been up on my website since we created those a couple of years ago and like one of my clients actually went back recently and said that case study reminded me about what I was supposed to be doing in life. Like it reminded her of where she should be and the things that she had said about herself and her journey and the photo shoot that she did and what we had said and what we had, you know, created for her. So not only was it helpful for me to see all of this and the wording that like my clients actually use, then I can use that as well to, you know, speak to other people. Um, but people read those and they say, you know, I love what you did for this client, or I love what you did for this client. Um, it really resonated with me, but it also resonated really well with the clients themselves too. So how did you, how did you start getting into case studies? Like what, like, was it the copywriting first or the case? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't remember how that came about. Yeah, it was the, it was the copywriting first and I just, the, the world of copywriting is so broad, like the applications, are, you know, uh, yeah, unlimited. But uh, I looking at like big long lists of what kind of copywriting do I want to do? Um, and I saw an example of a case study and they kind of said, yeah, this is basically telling, you know, the story of a a customer customer's experience with you know a service or a product and it just seemed so logical and simple in my mind it was just something in it that just clicked I'm like right this is the story of the customer and that element of it really resonated with me because um, I'm just like a really naturally curious person and you know the idea like asking people questions and like delving in and like going down rabbit holes. Like I, I loved that idea and then pulling it together um, into a case study. And I did some training on it, some specialist training on it. And I just, and I knew I loved it. I said, right, I'm just, this is what I'm, this is what I'm going to kind of specialize in. Um, obviously I do like lots of different sorts of copywriting, but the the case studies for sure was something that really resonated with me. Um it's got that great balance of like structure and process and also like the storytelling and the connection with people. And it was, for me, it was just like a really, really satisfying um, aspect. And I got to work with business owners again with revealing like these things about their business that they might not have realized. Okay. So the thing with case studies is, they are like, I mean, people are used to getting like testimonials, but these are like testimonials on steroids. And it's it's something that is very, 
underutilized in the service-based industries across the board. But it, they're so they're so powerful. And I there's a lot of clients that I have delivered their case studies back to them, you know, just to review a draft. And they're like, I cried reading that. Because Absolutely. I cried reading <laughs> this experience of my customer. And because they have a sense like when I start the process with them, there's this strategy part, right? And I I talk to them about about their business. What are the parts that you're wanting to highlight? Um, what are the challenges people have that you think that a reader might really relate to? And we select certain customers and clients based on how much their story is going to, um, how meaningful it's going to be to the reader. I said, because that is the, that's the main, um, main point of a case study is it allows someone who hasn't experienced your business to essentially experience it firsthand. And if you have a story that connects in that way, people um, are moved to action. Um, but you want to make sure you're putting out stories that attract the type of people you want to work with because it more it, it, the same with like any sort of um, marketing collateral, but the case study, because it's so emotionally invested, like people that convert based on case studies are usually the same types of people. So I'm very particular about going who, are, like if we're putting case studies out there, they're not just to make you look good. They're to, they're going to draw in that same type of person. So we want to be very particular about who we're doing the case study on. Um, exactly. I mean, I would work with the women that we have for our case studies. <laughs> every single day every single day so yes that's so important yes yeah absolutely and that um oh I think you asked me like how I got into it and I've gone off on a tangent um but yeah that um that element of understanding how powerful case studies can be in actually converting those particular types of people are important um and yet underutilized by the service industries and I was so happy that you wanted to do case studies because it's something that um, photographers, I, I hardly see any photographers doing it. And again, that's a point of differentiation. Like a lot of photographers, we would rather put up an article talking about like all the gear they use. How much does your customer care about that? They want to understand the experience. Um, and then, you know, obviously a story style structure um, is is a way that we've been communicating lessons and, um, you know, just sharing our experience of the world for, you know, thousands and thousands of years through stories. So it is a very powerful medium. So and a case study is essentially the story of your customer's experience with your business. So yeah, I am, I'm info dumping now and I am going off, <laughs> but I can talk about, I like case studies. No, I can see that you're like, well, I mean, we, we know that you love case studies. So, um, okay. So you say that they're underutilized across yes. the board. Um, most of the listeners, at least that I've known um, for this podcast are either just starting their businesses or just starting off like within the first couple of years of their businesses. If they're they're not ready to jump in with case studies yet or like copywriting or any of that kind of stuff. Are there any tips that you can tell people like across the board, like what you've seen just in general that you wish people would pay attention to when they're doing their copy or if they are getting reviews for people? Yeah. I mean, there's a few different ways to tackle this. Uh, like a, a few different like approaches that would be really valuable for a, a new business owner. And I think the, the first place to start is, uh, Molly, you and I, when we started with sort of togs in business, um, there was this kind of entry course that you do that talks, that gets you to reflect on um, what's my business about? Who is my ideal client? Um, what are they struggling with? Like, how does my my product or service resolve that. So, and there's this kind of half a dozen to a dozen of really core questions that you will see asked in, you know, nearly any marketing um, company, 
right, which is just these base, this base identity of a business. And I would say from the outset, even if you don't know like all the different bits and pieces and the full identity of your, of your business, make a, a habit to get used to answering those questions for yourself, for your business, writing them down. Even if you write them down and you don't look at them for six months, just start doing it right at the start and get into the practice of reflecting on your business and thinking about your business and thinking about the customers, right? Because once you get to the point where you're ready to work with a designer or a copywriter or anything like that, um, you don't, that's not the point where you want to start asking yourself these questions. Mm -hmm. You are going to be so much better positioned to utilize the expertise of these other um, service providers if you have this understanding, like this understanding of your business, you might not how to know how to design the right logo for the business. You might not how to know how to write the right copy for your website for that business. But your intimate knowledge of your business is something that will be ever evolving and, and it's worth constantly reflecting on and engaging in. So that is kind of number one, because these, these questions come up again and again, what's the values of your business? What's your, what's your value proposition? You know, what's your elevator pitch? Just get used to kind of answering those questions for yourself. Um, I, I revisit those often, so often it's probably quarterly, if not <laughs> sometimes a little bit more so. And I feel like those are those clarity pieces. And when you're yes. off track, or you're a little lost, or you're feeling frustrated, if you go back to those core pieces and those core questions, it almost grounds you. And then you realize, okay, well, maybe this wasn't the right, maybe you had a couple clients that, you know, kind of fit that bill, and maybe it wasn't perfect for you. Maybe you need to adjust those a little bit, or you're on the right track, or you finally met that, that really good client that you wish that you could clone all the time it really does help you to go back to that. So yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's that's something that I do on a regular basis as well. Yeah, those those foundational pieces are not something that you just do once at the beginning and then forget about it. It's something mm -hmm. that, well, I, I've revisited time and time again, and especially as my business has evolved and changed and, and, and everything like that. Um, and honestly, like if someone comes to me and they want like feedback on their messaging, the first thing I'll do is, reference back to those sorts of questions and see how well they match with their messaging it's where you know it's where it all starts um in in relation to how they might leverage um the the power the kind of power of case studies or go in that direction when they're not really in a position for case studies yet is um start collecting data from your clients um start collecting their feedback, um, create a culture of communication with your clients, ask them about how the process was, not just celebrate when they send you an email and going, oh my God, this is fabulous. Like follow that up and go, that's so awesome. Can I talk to you about your experience? Um, and whether that's over email or just jump on a Zoom call um, record it and you know get it transcribed just start collecting that information now um, at the beginning even if you're not don't exactly know how to use it yet right um, a because once you you know if you're waiting if you're waiting just for that you know someone to wave the pom-poms at the service you've got it's not enough it's not enough to just put one testimonial out there with one person saying how fabulous you are. That That's not enough. It's nice. It feeds your ego, but it's not enough for, for future customers to be convinced to work with you. Um, and as you're building up this, this data from your existing clients, you're going to learn about your business. You're going mm -hmm. to understand what their pain points are, not just, you know, that they like the end product, but what were you like struggling with? Like if you have the opportunity to have a deeper conversation, um, you're going to be asking them things around, you know, why did you, you know, what were you struggling with that led you to engage with my business? What was the process like? What parts were the most impactful? Um, 
you know, obviously, you know, what's the result, but what impact has that result had on your life? What does the future look for you now, look like for you now that you've had had that? So if you create a culture of communication, people will offer their insight, offer their experience. They'll email you. They might message you. Like if, say, if you're a service-based business, you know, they might, if whatever um, communication channels you have, and it just sets a really good ground, like grounding to not only to get a better understanding of your business, but you're starting to build this collateral and this really strong identity about your business. And you can use that information strategically. And, um, you know, as you're collecting the information, try to keep it in order. You know, maybe you want to drop it in a spreadsheet and you want to be capturing things like what questions are they asking? What are their hesitations? What are their problems? What are they, what do they desire? Like, what do they want? So you don't have to have like a big complex spreadsheet, but, you know, something with half a dozen columns that just kind of categorize what you're hearing from the mouths of your, of your customers and clients um, is really valuable. Um, and sometimes you don't have any customers or clients yet. And so people might be going, well, that's a well and good, but I don't have any yet. So I can't collect that stuff. <laughs> Um, to inform your messaging that there is something that copywriters do called, it sounds horrible, but it's called data, data mining. Um, and it is kind of researching what, I mean, they aren't your personal customers, but it can give you like a broad idea, researching what other customers like within your industry for other businesses might be struggling with, might want, and you can do that through like reading reviews or um, reading comment threads, you know, on that particular topic within groups or even on other businesses' pages. Um, and it's not about, um, I guess, taking like those words and pretending they're um, said about your business, but it's giving you an insight into like what these people are struggling with, because this is when you're talking about messaging, un- really understanding your who you're talking to and what they care about is like the most important piece. Like, and what they care about isn't necessarily it isn't necessarily your business. Like, they care about the solution that you're providing to them. They, mm-hmm. they care about their problem and what you can do to help them. So getting a deep understanding of that is is really the key piece. So those are kind of the three things I would say to start with, like know your own business, know your customers. If you don't have any customers yet, um, know the customers like within your niche, within your industry, get a real sense about, you know, what they're struggling with and what they want. Well, and if you're also, I mean, we always talk about like, you don't necessarily need to, you want to stay in your lane and you want to do you and do you want to do what you're doing? But when you do look at not necessarily competition, but every, all the other businesses that are similar to yours, when you know what everybody else is doing and what people are saying about that, you also can see where those, those blank spaces are and see where Mm. those holes are that you can fill within your business. And that kind of just, it helps you with all, like when you're starting out, to kind of figure out like what a good spot is for you. So you're not like everybody else. Cause I mean, you're never going to be, but so you don't ever have to feel like you are copying anybody. You, you can find, find your space in, in all of that. Um, I just want to say that because I know that when, I mean, every, like when I started out and when we were all starting out, here's all these photographers and everybody's doing like the same things and everybody's doing the same kind of blogs and everybody's like, and you're comparison to everybody. But then when you actually sat back and looked at who you were and what really made you happy in, in your business and what you really wanted for your clients and what your clients really needed, that's, that's when you start to hone in on yourself and you don't have to look at competition. Mm. So um, I just wanted to say that because I just, I felt like, when we were starting out, like it was hard. It was hard to find your voice. It was hard to find, like everybody says, you should niche down and all these other things. And like, you need to find yourself in all of this before you can put it out there. So 
that's such an such a good point such a good point because yeah when you're starting out there's that comparison monster as well Mm -hmm. but if you have a good idea about how you're different you that goes away because you realize it's you're not actually you guys are all you know kind of running the same race but in different stadiums you know with a different audience and until you um really I guess interrogate your own business and understand how you're different it's hard to see that everything looks you you think you're looking side to side and everybody's in this on the same track and you're racing against them but that's not the case and I think that is something else that happens as you get to know your business and you realize oh actually I'm not I'm not I'm not actually competing against these people Mm -mm. like that's not like there's you've got such even businesses that look so similar on the outside have these minute differences sometimes they can be minute sometimes they can be massive differences that connect with a different audience from the outside looks like the same business but once you dig down and that's something that I've realized doing case studies is that even if I'm working with like multiple culture coaches in the same sphere they're in the same niche their audiences are different that they're attracted to that coach for like a specific reason something about like their personality or how they how they do something their process and if you're a business owner and you don't think you're different you you are (laughs) you are different (laughs) there there is something different about you specifically that is attracting your clients to you like particularly in a service-based industry because it's so much about about you and your brand and your identity so yeah the it's it's not a competition and it's not until you understand how different you are that that kind of sits into your heart and you just go okay I don't have to spend time worrying about what xyz is doing you know and then you don't and your brain switches and you don't anymore Mm-mm. and the, the the whole world like your whole business opens up in front of you as soon as you stop looking to either side thinking that you're running a race with like other people in your niche but when 1, you like look percent. inside and there's no one next to you and there's a whole stadium going like give us the goods like you're <laughs> off right you're off and like you just you know it's just up to you to I don't run as fast as you can kind of went off on a bit of a tangent with the metaphor there but there we go <laughs> <laughs> we're all running <laughs> no I love that and I just like the one thing that I want to say for that and then um we can put that aside or whatever. But when I first started as a photographer, and I bring this up because, I mean, that's what I do. And that's how we all met is here was this group that we were involved in. It was the first Facebook group that I had gone into that wasn't about competition. Everybody was open about all the information that they had. Any question that you asked, it was so respectful and everybody was just so giving and sharing. And I wasn't used to that. Like if you're in any of these other groups or whatever, there's always like, you know, the mansplaining and it's all about the gear and you're doing all these things wrong and nobody's sharing anything. And um, when we all got together, like we're all photographers, but we all wanted to see each other succeed. And then we saw each other's lives expand and all these other, I just feel like with business, it just opens you up. And instead of focusing on that competition piece, if we all like work together and, you know, do the best that you can, I think we could just all like be so much better in the world. I mean, mean, we are like the group that we have has made my life so much better. Exactly. And it's not just, this isn't just a positive thinking thing this is Mm-mm. practical real life you can actually go much further faster yeah. if you're not holding yourself back by these um thoughts of competition and comparison 100 sure. so speaking of copywriting <laughs> um one of the things that i discovered that really just hones in on what I do in life and the 
women that I love working with is how you spoke to one of my clients and they talked about being multifaceted and how they felt like they were able to share each part of themselves in a way that made sense to them. And one of the things that I absolutely love about you is that you are so multifaceted. Like there is just so much that you do in life. Like, yes, you're a copywriter and you were the case study queen and you built a homestead in the middle of nowhere, Perth. <laughs> like there's so many things that you do. So I want to, I want to share more of that with the world because you, you are a podcaster, not, well, yeah, you started a podcast now too. And you have a YouTube channel with your husband about your homestead. So let's dive into that. Okay. Well, yeah, the multifaceted piece is, that's probably something I've actually struggled with because I, for so long, I've had this idea that as like a person or as like a, a businesswoman, the progression or the journey should be very, like, should be very linear. Like it just, when people were talking about things, they just had this really linear progression of, you know, I had this experience and that made me realize this. And then ta-da, I've got this business and this is what I'm like, this single thing that I'm passionate about. And I've always had this, like, I'm not just passionate about one thing, like not, and it's not like I'm passionate about one main thing. And I just have like a couple of other little things I'm interested in. Like my attention can like wildly divert down like in different directions and I am I am all in on that right and I'm all in on the case studies and I'm all in on the home setting and it's been like that for you know my entire life and I I think that's why I've always had multiple like multiple businesses or like side hustles or whatever like they're called side hustles now so um we haven't touched on it, but I actually come, I, I'm what's in, known in, a, in Australia as a tradie. Um, so I have a um, trade that's, so a construction worker that has a trade, like a trade qualification, a trade certificate. So we call tradies. So I'm a, I'm a construction contractor. That is my like main profession. Um, I did an apprenticeship and I, I did that for, you know, 20 plus years, 25 years, whatever. And while I was doing that, I was um, doing things like dancing. I was I was a belly dancer. I was a belly dance performer, belly dance teacher, um, and that involved in evolved into running a, a studio in a partnership with my sister. And then um, from there is kind of where I discovered my love of photography and transitioned into photography right out of dancing and. During all this time, I was working in construction and so, but it got to a point where it was all a bit overwhelming. It was a lot, long hours. Uh, my husband was a construction worker as well, we're both in the same trade. And we were, we would go on kind of camping holidays and get out and about and that sort of thing. Um, but increasingly like and I remember one particular holiday we went on in 2016 and it was it was over too quick I was like it wasn't I wasn't on holiday enough for the stress levels to die down mm -hmm. um, and I got back to work you know more exhausted than ever and I was just like this can't this can't be right like this can't be the way we're doing stuff and, you know, we would, at that point, my husband and I were started to do work together and we would get up in the dark, like, you know, get up in the fours, we called it, getting up in the fours, no, um, you thank know, you. Leaving, <laughs> leaving before 5am, coming back, you know, later in the evening. And it was just coming back in the dark and it was just, it didn't seem like that was how life should be. We're like, this is just bit of a joke really you know trying like earning all this money buying all this stuff we're never even here 
you know, we've got a couple of, you know, beautiful dogs that, you know, only see us in the evenings and it's just, and our weekends just went so fast. And, um, and that was that period of time from like, you know, 2016 over the next couple of years was a big shift for us. And yes, I do home, like I do the home setting thing now, but this was like a big shift for like both me and my husband and our marriage and our entire life uh, when we just said there's got to be a different way. Like what, what is that way? And we started by going, okay, so we're, we're working all these hours to earn this money, to pay for all this stuff that is coming out of our bank account every month. Where is this money going? So the first thing was the analysis of the budget and the money and just going, we were just in this world of like two high income earning construction workers that were like worked hard, play hard sort of thing. And we had the toys and, you know, we wouldn't think twice about buying this or buying that or, and it just, it's this kind of consumer like roundabout right and it's like why are we spending all this time to pay for stuff that lives in a house that we don't even get to live in it was insane (laughs) um so yeah we had a a good look at our you know a critical look at our consumer behavior uh we looked at our debt and just went you know what if we didn't have to pay out you know this all this stuff every month on this payment or you know this credit card repayment we would be thousands of dollars better off every month so okay so how do you how do you not how do you get out of debt and so we went down this like um journey of becoming like debt free and that was really eye-opening and and through that process and going okay how do we consume less how do we step lighter on the earth um how do we live in a more sustainable self-sufficient matter um and we just discovered um like people doing that on YouTube, we Mm -hmm. started experimenting with that ourselves and going, okay, so let's grow our own vegetables. And it wasn't a matter of um, we're growing vegetables because we want to save money from not buying at the store. It was more like, how do we, how do we bring, how do we make our life where we're at, at our home? You know, how, how do we make our home, our life revolve around our home? Um, and yeah, we, we were on five acres property at the time and we had some like sheep and we had some cows doing some like lawn mowing for us. And we had, <laughs> you know, we got some chickens, which are chickens are of, often called the, you know, the um, gateway drug into homesteading. So we got some chickens <laughs> and, and we just, you know, as we were going along with the, with the debt-free stuff and we started learning to do things for ourselves, I started learning skills around um, like preserving and canning and and that sort of thing, which isn't something that I grew up with. So it's not something that um, in any generation that I've been connected with, like in my mother's generation, like my parents' generation or my grandparents' generations, none of them have have done that, right? So uh, my, my mother was a Londoner and my dad was from, you know, Sydney, which is one of the biggest cities in Australia. So, yeah, so I didn't grow up with any of that stuff um that's so interesting. I learned it all from scratch <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I learned it all from scratch I taught myself how to I taught myself how to cook um I, I mean I had a good idea how to cook but I really got more into what is making stuff from scratch so it was like this multi-year journey thing and we we loved it and we were so inspired by you know home service on YouTube um, but a lot of them were American because we're like, is there not like homesteading in Australia? I know <laughs> there's like a history of people doing that in Australia, but it's just people, how they live their lives out in rural areas because they have a lack of resources and they buy in bulk and they have to preserve and, and that and grow their own stuff and grow their own meat. It's just a way of life for, you know, remote Australians. Um, they don't necessarily call it homesteading at all. Um, yeah, so that kind of took us through to, I mean, that was about when I connected with you guys. So that was a massively transitional time in my life. And I, I don't, like, I don't know how much of that 
I guess we spoke about at the time, like our, you know, our accountability group was still quite like new and young. Um, but yeah, 2018, I remember I told you guys about this is when we decided to move from our five acre property to like more land. And we were thinking like 20 to 30 acres might be nice. We can have like a cow and, you know, raise some animals and that sort of thing. We ended up on a like a hundred acre property. We ended up finding, falling in love with and purchasing a, a, a hundred acre property. And that was only possible because we had gone through kind of that debt-free mm-hmm. journey as well. So our finance, our, like our finances are in a good place and we were able, like it gave us options. It, it enabled us to make these, this choice for us. Um, we didn't move there straight away because it was an empty block. Uh, we had to start building up you know, infrastructure, which we didn't really start doing until towards the end of 2019. And then um, at that point, we were getting our other home ready, ready for sale. We were planning to put it on the market May 2020, uh, because that is when the out the area that that home was in looked the most beautiful. Um, so we had everything ready and we just started the first like little bits and pieces of getting the property here called Rock Pile. I, I might mm-hmm. add that that name was uh, provided by one of our accountability members, Baylen. I, I believe you've already interviewed Baylen. So that was her suggestion. She popped it out during one meeting and it just kind of stuck, right? Because <laughs> it's a property that's just got rocks everywhere. It's got lots of granite rocks, right? <laughs> um, but it's just it's just such a key part of, you know, the identity of this place now, Rock Pile. Um, and yeah, and then of course we know what happened in 2020, and that that just put a big kibosh on our plans to sell the house, and and you know, you know, we wanted to put the house, put the house on the market, and start building stuff here. So, but we just kind of thought, you know, let's just put the um, house on the market anyway, even if it sits on the market for like a year or whatever, it doesn't matter. While people get their feet back on under them, um, except that's not what happened. <laughs> we contacted our real estate agent. She came out and she go and we showed her around. She's like, "Oh yeah, this will you know, this will be good." I said, "We still have, we're not quite ready to go on the market yet. We we still got to you know do some painting, put some carpet down." She's like, "Oh, let me just take a couple of photos with my phone and I'll do a teaser." We're like, "Yeah, cool." So she took some photos with her phone, <laughs> did a teaser like a few days later on her Facebook page. The following weekend, she'd lined up something ridiculous like five viewings of people that were wanted to <laughs> see what was going on, let's see our place. And we're just like, we haven't even, we haven't finished. It's not ready yet. She's like, just, just, you know, just, just go it. with it. <laughs> and we were literally getting the carpet in. We had like someone, the first person coming in on that Saturday afternoon, we're getting the carpet in the last of the carpet in that Saturday morning, the guy was there like putting it all like putting it all in and we're like, Oh my God, this is like last minute stuff. And then on the Monday or the Tuesday, we had like two offers on our house. We hadn't even gone on the, hadn't even listed yet. Right. (laughs) Two offers, both of them like way above what we were asking. One of them significantly above what we were asking. And we're like, Oh my God. Well, we said, we accepted it. We said yes. And we're like, this, this is, is happening. what doing. <laughs> this is this is happening. You know, so it just it happened, you know, it was a long time coming, but it all happened very fast. And in a matter of weeks, we kind of had to go through the settlement process, move everything out to a property that didn't have a house on it. Um <laughs> and yeah, and then that was suddenly we're like, this is the start of our kind of home setting journey right well I mean it was a continuation of it it was like the this shit's getting real now this Mm -hmm. is what we said we wanted this is what we're working towards and then the universe just went you say you want you say you want this you say you're ready for it here you go there we go just shoved (laughs) (laughs) you like oh crap what are we doing now and I, I remember moments like during that period where the house hadn't set like the old house hadn't settled yet we were like, we hadn't moved everything here yet. Just like going out into the property and sitting on a, a big rock, a rock pile <laughs> and like meditating and just going, you know, what is this feeling I'm feeling? I'm just like, I'm scared and I'm excited. And there's just like all this stuff, like all these big feelings inside of me. And like, I didn't really know how to 
kind of deal with it at the time. And um, yeah, but then one day we were here and we kind of looked at each other and we just went, we, we don't have to leave here again. Like we, we don't have anywhere else to go back to. We, we're not going to jump in our car and drive back to our other place that has a massive kitchen and indoor plumbing and reverse cycle air conditioning, you know, and all this stuff, right? We can't, that's not ours anymore. We can't go back there. We've just got like a small, a small tin shed, essentially what we call a donger here in Australia, um, size of a small container, uh, you know, two adults, three dogs, two cats, sitting there going, right, now we need to build a house. <laughs> so, yeah, and as, because we were so inspired by other YouTube channels, channels through the through the process of us, you know, starting this journey, we're like, well, we want to, like, record our progress as well. And mm-hmm. we started videoing and putting up on YouTube and we have a YouTube channel um, called Rockpile or Rockpile Off-Grid Homestead because we're also fully off-grid uh fully uh, kind of self-sufficient in that regard and yeah and we have though like through that we struggle to find our community our like other Australian homesteaders like I said most of the early stuff was all American homesteading stuff and but yeah so I yeah but you've built a community of <gasps> homesteaders which is just like every time you talk about it you're just like what you're over a thousand people in your group now right it's just or oh, was it three thousand four four thousand <laughs> almost almost four thousand yeah it should click over this weekend we're getting <laughs> like 300 300 people a week almost like joining so that that was a that's kind of a really interesting again an interesting shift of an interesting element of just you know I'm running my business but that's not my entire identity I'm also got a homesteading YouTube channel but then I've also built this other thing that I'm really passionate about as well I said we we struggled to find our community and yeah so I went out and built one yeah (laughs) I just went out and built one you know like surely there's other Aussie homesteaders out there but it was just so hard to find them and I and I'm just like okay I'm just gonna start like a Facebook group um and called Australian Homesteaders and I tell you what that grew just so fast that was only the end of December and we are at the start of June now um so there we go like and it's grown to like 4,000 members already and it's increasing every day so there is a big demand a, a big community a lot of people saying they're dreaming of the lifestyle and they're just getting started on their journey. And I love to be able to support them in that. Um, And through that group and like getting invested in people's stories back to story again, Mm -hmm. because I love people's stories. Right. Um, I'm like, I want to talk to them about their stories. I want to know about their experience. I want to know about their expertise. Um, So I started inviting people to have interviews um, I interview people through my case study business like frequently. I really enjoy them. I love just getting to the nitty gritty and having these conversations with people. Um, and this one, these I get to have conversations with people with Australian homesteaders about Australian homesteading and all the different stuff they do. And we're you know ten episodes in now. Um, we I actually I do it a bit different. It's not like it's your typical podcast. Um, I call it a podcast, but firstly we I interview them on Zoom and we stream that live into the group. So mm-hmm. that content and that value goes directly to that private Facebook group. I record that and then I upload, I publish that to YouTube as a video podcast um, because YouTube has a specific feature where you can allocate something as a podcast. Um, and they're hopefully bringing out features soon in the future um, to use um, playlist allocators podcasts and send them out to all the other typical podcast um, places as like an RSS feed and that sort of thing so that that would mean I just have to upload it to one place and then they can sort it but for the moment it's a video podcast that lives on YouTube and yeah and it's all about Australian homesteaders so (laughs) that's like a whole another thing that I'm doing but that is that's really fulfilling as well because it's so enjoyable to interact with people who are on their own journeys, which 
are strangely similar, but then like they've got their own uniqueness as well. So Definitely. yeah, there's there's a lot of American content out there. And one thing people keep on saying is uh, American homesteading content. Um, and one thing people keep on saying is we want more Australian homesteading content. So yeah, there's it's a it's a growth area for sure. And yeah, I'm loving every aspect of it. Which is just so amazing that here you you both found, you know, a connection with these American homesteaders and, you know, on your journey. And then now you're actually creating this for Australia itself, you know, like you're kind of pioneering this, you know, movement. I mean, even though like it's been around, it hasn't necessarily been in the public, which is really, really cool. It's really awesome to see. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great, it's an awesome part of the whole life journey, I guess, that I'm on that is multifaceted and not linear at all. (laughs) Not linear at all. But it's amazing how like, okay, so you were frustrated in construction, like obviously, like you guys did a great job and you knew what you were doing and you were skilled and all these things. But here you found frustration in your life. And instead of just continuing with that frustration and maybe continuing with debt and all of those things, you you found all of these things now that you really find joy in and they come easier to you. Yes, you put a lot of work and effort into them, but you're just so much lighter and it doesn't seem like you know, you're exhausted at the end of the day, like in a bad way or frustrated Mm. at the end of the day, like you, you're around your animals, you are growing, you know, the homestead and you're doing this together. And I just, I love Mm. that you have found your places in that place. Yeah. Yes. It's, we kind of set a bomb off in our, in our lives and what was there (laughs) after the rubble settled was a paradise. And Every day I'm grateful because I just, this is, this is our happiness for sure, for sure. And the copywriting aspect just melded so well with this lifestyle, COVID happened, remote working, that sort of mm-hmm. thing. I started, um, le- I started my copywriting education in 2019 as well. And then it just, you know, now I'm working however many three four years later I am working from home um I don't have to leave the homestead (laughs) sometimes I have to make myself leave the homestead just so I can get out and see the world uh you know I'm just tucked in like in 100 acres can't see any houses I can see I'm overlooking the orchard my chickens are running around (laughs) you know it's just it's it's fantastic you know I can just yeah this is this is the dream for sure. It's so incredible. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you found your dream and you're living your dream. Well, I, I would encourage anyone to um, blow, blow a nice set of bomb off in their, in their life and just <laughs> see what happens because, <laughs> you know, you might like the outcome. Well, and I, I hear from so many people that sometimes there's a bomb that just like automatically goes off where they're not planning for it. Like they put like the, they put the little seeds out there, but then they're still like, just like trudging along in the place, you know, the direction they're not supposed to be going in. And then all of a sudden the world like blows up and they're like, well, now I have to do what I want to do. (laughs) And I have to figure that out. And even though it's uncomfortable and it's scary, why not go after that dream? I mean, we, life is short and, you know, it's, you should be doing something that, that lights you up in the world. Like Juliet said last time, you need to find your glimmers in life and you definitely went after yours. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we don't, we have, we still have our challenges and there's sometimes when, we might be grumping about something and then, yeah, we, we just remind ourselves just going, you know what, there was a time where this was all we wanted. Yeah. Like don't, you know, don't discredit like past Amanda or past Corey dream and desire and just, you know, even if things aren't perfect, just sit in gratitude for what was able to be achieved. Yeah. Absolutely. I know there was a couple times last week, especially that I literally sat and worked 
from, you know, got to the studio early and then got home late. But those two days that I sat there and did that, I was dreaming about having clients like that to be able to work for. And then knowing that like, okay, I put those two big days in, but then I can have my weekend off. Like that's, that's, you're living the dream. So yes, we, sometimes we have to wear that hat where we just like dig in and go for it. And then, then you get to sit back and enjoy everything that you're putting out there. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't forget that you wanted this, you yes. know, <laughs> you wanted this dream. <laughs> You know, you, you also have the power to mould it into, you mould it even further into exactly what you want. And that's that's another aspect of what I love about being a business owner is, um, you know, the flexibility and the power and the control for my own, like in regards to my own destiny and our own lives. So, And I guess we can circle back to, always go back to that piece of your clarity of like, why you started your business and what you want it to be and who you want to work with. So you make sure that you're on the right track So Otherwise you're just yeah. frustrated and beating your head against a wall and nobody wants that. <laughs> I, um, when I launched case study queen and I was doing that piece of that introspective um, piece about the business and it was like, what, what is your vision? What's your perfect vision of a day? And when I went through the exercise, it was not even a work day. It was just being able to work from home because at this stage, I don't think I, I like I was quite there yet. Being able to work from home, um, not have to leave the property, walk out onto the deck, enjoy the peace and solitude of the landscape and the animals and the vision for my business was that I was happy. Mm-hmm. And that is that is something that I think only owning your own business can give you. Um, and that was, you know, and I'm I'm pretty close. You know, I think part of that, part of that vision was having a milk cow. I don't have one of those yet, but it's on the cards. <laughs> Going out in the morning, my perfect day, milking the cow, and then, you know. Coming in and like working on the computer and then like, you know, baking some bread and then in the, you know, the, the whole thing. So I'm getting there for sure. But yeah, I think a, a business, a suitable business vision is to be happy that that is perfectly acceptable for a business vision. Just saying. And then get that milking cow. <laughs> <laughs> well, Amanda, you are incredible. I could listen to your stories all day long and you know that we could all talk for hours. So <laughs> um, is there anything else that uh, we didn't touch base on or anything else that you would want to say to either maybe little Amanda starting out or somebody else starting out on their journey of finding their perfect day? Um, I t- it's well, not finding, I guess, creating we- <laughs> their perfect day, creating, creating their perfect day. Um, I think it starts with that that introspection piece and being like honest with yourself. Um, you said sometimes the bomb goes off for you and then you're forced to act, um, even though perhaps in your heart you always knew that you wanted to do this other thing or try this other thing or go in this direction. So I would say look inside, listen to your heart, and even if you don't go, I'm setting off that bomb now, you just start taking those steps towards what you really want to do because that is that is the only path to happiness. You're not going to find happiness following someone else's idea of what you should be doing. So true. So true. Well, thank you, Amanda. I truly appreciate your time and all of your knowledge and just life experiences. And uh, we will talk soon. Thank you so much for having me, Molly. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, my dear friend. Of course. Anytime. Yay. And I get to talk to you tomorrow morning anyway. So, <laughs> well, it's tomorrow night for you. Well, yeah, no, it's tonight. Oh, it's tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you Today, later. later. I get to see you later. <laughs> Well, thank you again, Amanda, and um, 
tune in next time and we'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us here on Mondays with Molly. If you or someone you know is looking for ways to help your small business find its visual voice in the world, consider booking a brand photography session. This is not your typical photo shoot. We will deep dive into your brand and create purposeful content that helps take out the stress of your everyday marketing. We offer single sessions as well as yearly subscriptions with full brand sessions each quarter. We are as invested in showcasing your brand as you are. For more information and to get started, check out mollyhebda.com and to connect with Molly on Instagram at mollyhebdaphotography. If you got something, anything from this episode, I encourage you to leave a review. And of course, the more stars left, the more we can build this community. And don't forget, subscribe and share.